So if you can open your Bibles or turn open your Bibles, swipe up, swipe left, we're going to turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, it's always a privilege to get to stand in the pulpit and, and share God's word, to share what God has um, preached to me and, and laid on my heart. John chapter 5, don't know what the title of the message is going to be, so you can let me know what you think it should be at the end, um, but I just know that God has, has laid something on my heart that I think we could all use, and um, Pastor Eric singing his worship, um, I thought he was going to preach my whole sermon throughout worship, but I believe that God has a word for us. God is in this place, my goodness, I feel him so strongly, I feel him so strongly. I've been feeling in the past, and I've said this before, man, the past probably six to six to seven months, I feel like God has just been doing a transformation in this place, and I cannot wait to see what God is, is going to do, what God is going to do. I don't think we've seen anything yet, even with some of the miracles that we've seen, some of the lives transform. I just, I believe it's just, that's just been like an appetizer of what God is, is going to do in this place. John chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read probably down into verse 13 or 14 somewhere. It says this, it says, After there was a feast of the Jews, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the Lord. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, and he troubled or moved in the water, stirred up the water, some people say. For whoever then was first after the stirring of the water stepped in and was made whole of whatever disease he had. And then there was a certain man that was there which had an infirmary for 38 years, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case, he said unto him, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? And the impotent man answered, Sir, I don't have a man that when the water is troubled or stirred to put me into the pool. But while, but while I am coming, another will step down in front of me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and he took up his bed, and he walked. And on the same day was a Sabbath. And the Jews, the religious people, therefore said unto him, that was cured. It is a Sabbath day, and it's not unlawful for you to carry the bed. He answered to them, He that made me whole, the same one said, Take up your bed and walk. So then they asked him, What man is it that said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. And he that was healed was not sure who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, and a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, you have been made whole. Sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. I want to draw three points out of this today, this message, on the recipe for your miracle. The recipe for your miracle. I believe today we all here have something in our lives that we need God to move in. We, we have a prayer that we need God to answer. We have something in our life that if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. It could be a job situation. It could be a physical healing. It could be emotional. It could be financial. It could be spiritual. It could be something in our family, something in our marriage, 
something with our children, our grandchildren, but there's something that we all have need of today that I believe that we need God to step in and do something. And week in and week out, we've been experiencing these great moves of God here where the Spirit is moving. And we've been watching Jesus pour himself out into people and pour himself out into each other. And some of us, we may fall in a couple of different boats. Has anybody ever been in the middle of one of these altar calls where it seems like everybody's getting blessed but me? Everybody's getting healed but me? Seems like everybody's getting the goosebumps, but me. And it seems like every time I'm always passed by. It seems like everybody around me is getting blessed. Maybe even it's on your job. Everybody else is getting promoted or getting their PTO approved or getting this, but I'm getting passed by. Or maybe maybe it's... Man, I was so close. I almost came down to the altar when Pastor Carlos told everybody to get down here. But oh, right before I was about to come up, they closed the service. Or right before I was about to lift up my hands and start worshiping, we transitioned into offering or we did this. Or, and the man at the pool of Bethesda was in that type of a situation where every so often the angel of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit would come and he would stir the waters of the pool. Now you have to understand this was not just a swimming pool. This was not like the YMCA or the public pool. This was not the community clubhouse pool. The pools served a certain purpose. The pools were actually more like reservoirs that were that were um, at the basin of a, of a mountain. And what would happen is as the rain would fall, it would wash down nutrients from the top of the mountain, and the nutrients would come into these pools. They were, they were large um, stone quarries or, or stone things that, are, that were dug out, meant for a couple of different purposes. Some were for cleansing. Some were for... Um, some were for water storage and water supply. Some were used for agriculture. And then some, like this pool of Bethesda, literally had healing properties. Literally, they could soak in these pools and the minerals, the natural minerals, would wipe away and would, would heal infirmaries. It would, it would heal um, sores. It would heal things that were unclean. It would, it would, it would, there was healing. It was like medicinal um, so it, was, it wasn't just, they weren't just their recreation at a pool party. They were there for a certain purpose. But then beyond just being, having those healing properties, a miracle would take place. The Spirit of the Lord would come and would stir the waters, would trouble the waters. Now, I don't necessarily know what that means, but I could just imagine if they could tell that the waters were troubled, is what they called it. I don't know if there was like a wave or... I don't know, do you ever be a kid and you and your cousins would get going in circles around a pool and you try to make a whirlpool in your own pool and you get the water going around so fast and it would kind of sweep you? I don't know, I don't know what it would look like, but all I knew is when that happened, people knew that there had been a change in the atmosphere. We come into services and I imagine that this is kind of like a pool where, where this, this sanctuary is kind of like that pool of Bethesda where... Um, 
where pastor comes and he's at the top, right? And God has been pouring out to pastor all week. And then we come into this place and as pastor begins to pour out the healing properties that God is just pouring on pastor, it just begins to flow down into the pool. And I imagine that as we begin to worship, I can see the spirit of the Lord come and he begins to just stir up the waters. I felt it this morning as Pastor Eric was singing that this morning, and he was singing, I feel Jesus in this place. I just felt a stirring of the Spirit this morning. It literally felt like Jesus was with his cousins, and he's just walking and walking around in the pool, and he's just, I'm sorry, Cameron, you're going to have to follow me. And he's just walking around in the pool, and he's just stirring the waters, stirring the waters, and he's just waiting to see who's going to step in the water today. Because once you step in the water Everything you have need of is met. Everything you have need of is met. There is no way that you could come in and step in the water while the water is troubled and God is moving and not leave with everything that you need. The problem is we don't take everything that we need. Well, what do you mean we don't take? How do I take everything that we need? I'm a simple guy. I'm not, I'm not the most educated guy in the world, as some of you guys know, and you don't have to agree with me, but it's okay. But So I'd like to keep things simple. So I'm going to keep this as simple as possible because I want us to be able to take three things away. There are three T's for your miracle. The first one is thirst. The first one is thirst. When Jesus came up to this man, he had been there for 38 years years how many people are going through something for the in this past week and you feel like I'm giving up I can't do it any longer 38 years this man laid right here on this mat in the same condition watching people get what they needed blind man get in the water heal a, a man who maybe had an issue of, of sores, get in the water, healed. A withered man, get in the water, healed. A woman who maybe couldn't have children, get in the water, healed. We know that was going on because it said, every time I go to get in the water, somebody beats me to it. Well, Jesus shows up. Sees the man in that condition, and he asks him, why are you like that? He says, well, because I have nobody to help me. I have nobody to do it for me. And Jesus just asks him one question. He says, will you be made whole? In other words, he says, do you want it? You see, sometimes we got to ask ourselves, do we really want it? Are you thirsty enough for it? Are you truly thirsty enough for it? You see, there's a lot of things I think that we want, but, or we say we want, or we think we want, but when it comes down to it, how bad do we really want it? I don't mean to, 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 to ruffle feathers here, but sometimes I think we say we want it, but yet we like being in our mess. I think sometimes we get in some of these places and we like the pity that we get in the situation that we're in. I believe that there's some of us that have been laying in the same spot for 38 years, not because 
not because we've just been suffering and God has been letting us suffer and deal with it, but because we haven't got thirsty enough to do what it takes to get what we need. This man was laying here waiting on somebody to put him in the water. Now, granted, he couldn't walk. Maybe he was weak in the legs. We don't know his exact condition. I mean, it says that a certain man here which had an infirmary, but we don't know what his infirmary actually was. We think he was a paralytic man, but all it says is he was impotent. He had an infirmary, but he was waiting for somebody to help him into the pool. He was waiting for the worship leader to sing that song. He was waiting on he was waiting on pastor to mention that need. He was waiting on the evangelist that, that heals people and sets up a tent in town to come in town and to heal him that way. He was waiting on somebody else to do it for him, yet he was laying on the edge of what he truly needed. Did he want it bad enough, or was he just comfortable laying by the pool? My children love the beach. Love the beach. Dad, can we go to the beach? Dad, we want to go to the ocean. Dad. So, okay, cool, let's go. But then when we go, they always sit in the sand building a sandcastle. And they play in the sand. We could have played in the sand in the front yard. You have beach buckets and we have sugar sand. We live in Florida. Play in the sand in the yard. We drove all the way over to the beach to get in the water. No, they want to play in the sand. And then they'll sit there the whole day. Come get in the water. You want to get in the water? No, I don't want to get in the water. Come get in the water. No, I don't want to get in the water. And then all of a sudden it comes time for us to leave. And they pitch a fit. But we didn't get in the water, Daddy. But we didn't get in the water. We wanted to go to the beach. Okay, well, we brought you to the beach, but you didn't get in. And now it's time to go. In other words, you missed your moment. The problem is they got comfortable in the sand. They got comfortable sitting, playing in the stuff that they were in. They're comfortable playing in the dirt. And they missed the moment of the depths of what God really has for them. We do the same thing as Christians. We get so comfortable where we're at. We get so comfortable with our sickness. We get so comfortable in our sin. We get so comfortable in our worship. We get so comfortable with our our temptations. We get so comfortable with our struggles. We get so comfortable in our gossip. We get so comfortable with our same prayer requests that we have week after week that we never dive into the depths of what God has for us. And I believe that God is asking you right now, he's saying for the past several months, I've been at Mount Zion every morning stirring the waters, are you ready to get in? He's asking you, do you really want it? Are you thirsty? That's the first question you have to answer. Do I want the water? Because when the water's moving, there's, that's the only thing that's going to take what we, that, that's going to give us what we need. We're not going to get it any other way. Sometimes when the spirit is moving and the waters are stirring, the time is now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. God is moving right now. Timing is everything with God. 
Well, God can't do it later. Yes, he can. But if you can't meet him at the point where he's moving, how are you going to meet him at the place where you have to chase him down and press into where he's at? Think of how much easier it would be. Let's say if the, if the woman with the issue of blood, let's cross Bible stories here real quick. Let's say the woman with the issue of blood. How easy would it have just been for her to run in and dive into this pool instead of press through a crowd to get to Jesus? Who knows? Who knows? But this man had a need at that day, at that hour. As a matter of fact, that day for 38 years, this man had a need. And all he had to do was be thirsty enough to say, today I'm going to get what I need. Are you thirsty? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to have financial breakthrough? Do you want to go deeper in the things of God? Do you want to come out of your sin and be the husband and the, and the, and the wife, the father or the mother that God has truly called you to be? Do you want to step into everything that God has for you? Do you want your kids to be saved? Do you really want your husband to be saved? Do you want to lead your family in the things of God? Do you want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you want to step into the things that God has for you? Are you thirsty? And the man didn't even say, answer him and say yes. The man just came up with excuses. But you know what? God was okay with that. God is okay with your excuses. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean? He's okay with your excuses? Because he knows you're just man. He knows your flesh and bones. He knows that you have doubts. God's okay. He could take your excuses because the next thing he did is he told the man, he goes, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus didn't have to sit there and preach to him. For 35 minutes, call an altar call, ask somebody to sing a song, and ask the Spirit of the Lord to come back in and stir the waters again. Because the man at that point has said, today I'm thirsty enough. Today I want it. I'm going to give him the excuse, but I'm at least going to hear the Lord out. The next thing he did is he trusted the Lord. So the first T is thirst. The second thing is trust. Do you trust God to do the thing that you have need of. I'm not saying do you have faith or do you believe? Because sometimes belief and faith isn't good enough. <gasps> I've been in church for 80 years. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Well, maybe I'm not as saved as you are. Because let me tell you a little story. Some of you guys know this. Nicole and I, you wonder why I have an 18-year-old and a 5-year-old. Why do you have kids that far apart? Yes, they're mine and they're Nicole's, both of them, I think. No, they are. <laughs> Cut that from the podcast. They are. Yeah. So they look like me, right? No. Um, anyway, the reason is because we had eight miscarriages. One was a set of twins. I watched my wife cry and cry and agonize in physical pain and mental pain, emotional pain, shut down for 14 years. First several years, I was too dumb to really get it. I was your typical man. 
Oh, we have the one kid. Well, you really need another one? I'm honest. Don't get mad at me. I'm just being real with you. If we can't be real with each other, who can be we, we be real with? Oh, well, don't, isn't, isn't Noah good enough? But there was something missing from her life. She, she needed more. She needed more. She wanted more. We needed more. I'm just too dumb to realize it. Pregnancy after pregnancy, termination after termination. Finally, we gave up. We were going to adopt. We were going to look at fostering. We were just going to go a different route. And somebody came to me and said, the Levite generation is going to come forth. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever. All of a sudden, she called me and she says, sweetie, you're not going to believe this, but I'm pregnant. And I said, I can't take another dead baby. So I prayed. I said, God, and some of you may remember this. I, I, I prayed. I said, God, I could take an empty womb, but I can't take another dead baby. I could take a false pregnancy, but I can't take another dead baby. I mean, that's a raw prayer. I mean, that's just me and God talking like me and God talk. And I, I literally felt in my soul that God was going to answer our prayer. Either way, I said, if it's not viable, don't let her even be truly pregnant. We went to the doctor. She was pregnant. We had a heartbeat, something that we hadn't had in a while. Okay, this was our miracle. Miracle baby, we're good. Went the next week. We had a heartbeat. Yes. All of a sudden, testimony time, right? I go on Facebook. Sure, testimony. We're having a baby. God is a miracle baby. God's good. God's good. Give this is God. Give this is God. This is God. We went back for another follow-up. No heartbeat. Whoa, God. This isn't what we talked about. This isn't what we talked about, God. I had never had more faith in that moment than I had. And, and, I, and I put a fleece and said, I told God, you either give me an, my wife an empty womb or you give her a good baby. But this is not the deal that I thought we made. Went back, no heartbeat. Went back the following week. Heartbeat and six more weeks worth of development. Yes, Jesus, it's a miracle. Facebook. Hey, God's good, God's good. Next week, nothing, 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 nothing. Miss Bailey, you've miscarried. God says, do you trust me? I said, God, I don't have faith in you. I said, I've lost my faith. This is why, I mean, I was here. I've lost my faith. He goes, no, that's not what I asked you. He says, do you trust me? I said, I don't have faith. I've lost all my faith. I've lost all my faith. He goes, Daryl, I didn't ask you for faith. I said, do you trust me? I said, well, what do you mean by trust? What do you mean, do I trust you? He said, Daryl, look up the definition of trust. So I did. I looked up the definition of trust, and it says this. A trust is a relationship in which one person holds title to property, subject to a legal obligation to keep or use the property for the benefit of another. I said, okay, well, what does that mean? He said, that means I don't need your faith because if you put your trust in me, then I have the legal obligation to act in the best interest on your behalf. 
You see, what I'm, at, what I'm saying is this. Do you trust God in your need? Do you trust God with that cancer diagnosis? Do you trust God with your marriage? Do you trust God with your job? Do you trust God with your finances? Because even though right now you may have lack faith, you may have lack the faith that you need, but if you put your trust in God, he is legally obligated to act in your best interest on your best half, whether you realize that's what he's doing or not. I had to admit, right now I don't have faith, but I trust you. He says, as long as you trust me, just know that I hold the title in my hand. I said, okay. And I struggled. I came to church week in and week out. I felt nothing during worship. I felt nothing during altar call. I went through the motions. When, when pastor would preach, I would have my Bible closed. I didn't even want to read the Bible. I'm being real here. I'm being honest. I'm pouring myself out to you guys because there's people right now that's sitting out there, and I believe you're in the same situation. You haven't opened your Bible in months. You haven't prayed in months because you're tired of praying and, and seemingly like God is just not answering. And God said, that's okay because I hold the trust. I hold the title in my hand. I have what you need. You just have to make me the overseer and the executor of your trust. Give me your trust. He says this in his word. He says in Isaiah 26, 3, 4, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is, is stayed on me because he trusts in me. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. In other words, he's going to be there even when you're not. He is going to be there even when you're not ready to be there with him. He's going to be working on your behalf even when you're not ready to work with him on your own behalf. He's ready to push through even though you've already given up and you're laying on your death mat. He is still going to be there working for your best interest on your best behalf. You just have to trust in him. Psalms 40 verse 4 says this. He says, blessed is a man who makes the Lord his trust. Who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Well, what's a lie? A lie says that you'll never be healed. A lie says that you'll never be set free. A lie says that you're always going to struggle with pornography or drugs or alcohol or abuse or domestic violence. A, a, a lie says that you're never going to be a good enough Christian. A lie says that the church is never going to believe and trust you enough to let you be in any kind of a position or, or be able to teach children's church or work in the nursery or, or, or be on stage leading worship. A lie tells you that your husband is never going to be faithful to you. A lie says that your wife is never going to believe that you could be the dad that, that God's called you to be. A lie says that you're never going to be good at your job and you're never going to get a promotion or this is the only job you're ever going to have and you're always going to be misused and abused. Don't give yourself to a lie. Give yourself to God because God has never and he will never fail you. And a delay is not a denial. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It means that either the time is not right or you haven't done what you needed to do to put your trust completely and totally in God. I will keep him in perfect peace whose trust is in the Lord. In other words, it may not look like you want it to look, but you'll at least have peace in the midst of your trial. Pa uh, Pastor Eric sang that song, I'm not enough unless you come and meet me here. You see, if, if it was not for the Lord by my side, where else would I be? If it wasn't for the Lord walking with me, where would I go? 
Psalms 37, 5, again, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Do you want it? Do you trust him? Do you want it, and do you trust him? That doesn't take a whole lot. That just is a simple yes or no, both of those. Yes, Lord, I trust you. Okay, cool. I never missed a church service. Didn't read my Bible. Quit praying. Except for the occasional time where I'd be like, okay, God, I'm trusting you. A little bit later, within a couple of months, all of a sudden, Nicole texted me. She texted me a picture. And it was a nice, homemade loaf of bread and it was sitting in the oven and she took a picture and I'm like Nicole's never cooked bread in the oven before I'm like you're poisoning me aren't you she goes do you want it and I'm like never had homemade bread but yeah I guess okay cool no dummy hold on she gets a picture of this big old safety pin like the diaper pins with the little one in the middle, she goes, do you get it? Nah. She sends me a pregnancy test. I don't know what COVID is, so I guess it's a pregnancy test. You're pregnant. Sure enough, she goes, are you ready? I looked, and I'm like, if God's ready, I'm ready. That was my literal answer. That was the first time in probably a year that I truly picked up my Bible, and I can honestly say, I went to praying and I went to worshiping. And I said, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. It turns out her, the doctor that was working with her after she had that last miscarriage said, we don't want to deal with you anymore. You've got to go find another practice. Second practice we've been part of, USF couldn't even help us. As she was walking out of that last miscarriage, another nurse chases down and says, hey, another doctor wants to talk to you. Doctor that wanted to talk to her was a missionary to Haiti, and she deals with orphan children. And she says, when, when you was walking out the door, the Lord spoke to me and said, she's yours. So you're my personal patient now. And God said that if I can get you past nine weeks, that this is going to be the baby that you can have. So when we went to her, she took the pregnancy test. She went to her. The first thing the doctor did before even examining her is prayed over her. A secular doctor prayed over her. We weren't going to like this Christian uh, doctor practice. It was a secular doctor practice. Prayed over her. Two days later, prayed over her. Three days later, prayed over her. Heartbeat, 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 heartbeat. Can't find the baby. Oh, okay, there it is. Heartbeat, 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 heartbeat. Every time she's like, this is the baby. This is the baby. This is the baby. This is the baby. This is the Levite generation. What? That wasn't the lady, that wasn't anybody who, she did not know somebody else told me miscarriages ago that the Levite generation would come forth. Beat, heartbeat, heartbeat, heartbeat. Nine weeks. She says, we've been doing a lot of blood work on you. We already know the gender of the baby. It's going to be a boy. What are you going to name him? Levi. 
because the Levi generation will come forth. You see, I trusted God. Even when I didn't have faith, even when sometimes I didn't believe, I trusted God because God said that I don't need your faith, I just need your trust because I legally have to act on your best interest. Healthy pregnant, complete healthy pregnancy. COVID came around, everything. Complete healthy pregnancy, healthy everything. Levi was complete. We thought it was completely normal. No, Levi is completely normal. Everything, no complications, the whole pregnancy, hardly any morning sickness, the whole pregnancy, everything was working out. Because I put trust and God legally had to act on my trust. He literally had to act in our best interest. Well, Daryl, what if that wouldn't have been a healthy pregnancy? That would have been okay. Because he legally had to act in our best interest. And sometimes his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. There's things that go on in life that we just have to trust God because he sees the end from the beginning. He sees the mess. He sees what we don't see. And sometimes the greatest answer God ever gives us is a no. Do you still believe that? I had to believe that for 14 years. I had to believe that through a marriage that was literally about to fail while I was living in the church parsonage. I had to believe that all throughout my wife and I's marriage, that God had the legal authority to act in my best interest. And that is a hard lesson that we had to learn, but we still believe it today. There's stuff in our lives that we've been praying for that hasn't come to pass. There's stuff that I know that God has promised my wife and I and my family that we still don't have possession of today. But I guarantee you that he is acting on our best interest, and he will give it in, in his right timing, at his right price, in his right timing, with everything lines up, and it's our best interest. He will give it to me. He said, we all always like to quote, well, he'll never give us any more than what we can handle. And we think of that as burdens and bad stuff, but he's not going to give you any more good stuff than what you can handle either, because he's not going to let you mess up the thing that he's been holding on for you. I'm not going to give my kid his inheritance until I know that he has the ability to, to take care of what I've saved up and what I've put away for him. And God's not going to do the same. So maybe it's a timing issue. And the last point is this you got to be thirsty. you got to trust. And then you just got to thrust yourself into action. Sometimes God is just waiting on you to do it. This man laid, I'm not going to do this. I was going to do it, but I don't think the cameras could get it. He laid on the edge of the pool on a mat. He was so close yet so far away that all it would have took is for him just to have a little bit of thrust, a little bit of movement, Toss himself in the water. I wonder if the man had already been healed when the Spirit of the Lord walked by him to get in the water and he never knew it because he never put his faith into action. How many of us already have what we need, but we're so comfortable wallowing in our mess that we don't actually step out and step into what God's called us to do? You've got to put action with your faith. If you want it, you've got to move. Sometimes God is saying, I'm here, are you going to meet me? The Spirit of the Lord is moving. Who knows? Why, why did they think that just the first person who got in the water was going to do it? Why couldn't they all just jump in at the same time and all of them been healed? Was there rules in the book? There's nothing in the Bible that says only one person healed at a time. 
I can't find anything in the Old Testament, which is kind of the covenants and, and what they held on to at the time. There's nothing in the Old Testament that says only one person could be delivered at one time. Only one person could be set free at a time. When God moves, God moves, and everybody who's willing to jump in is going to receive. So why, why did he think, oh, well, one person's already jumped in. I guess it's not for me. Why didn't he just move? Why didn't he just put faith into action? Why is it that when the, Spirit, and when, the, when, the, when the Spirit is moving the waters, when the Spirit of the Lord is moving around, why is it that we sit down and we let everybody else get blessed and we leave like we came? Why is it that when pastor, maybe, maybe pastor transitions out of altar call and maybe it sounds like he's about to wrap up, why do we just and go back to our seat and say, well, I guess this wasn't the week. Stay in the waters while the Spirit is moving. Because maybe he's troubling the waters just for you. Everybody else is getting blessed because the waters are stirring, but the waters are stirring just for you. Thrust yourself into the waters while the Spirit's moving. Dive in while the Spirit's moving. Strike while the iron is hot. Get in while God is doing something. When God is calling you, don't wait for the next time. Now is the time. Why do we sit in our mess? Why do we wallow in, 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 in the pit? Why do we sit in our state of depression? Why do we sit in our anxieties? Why do we sit and waller in our infirmaries and in our sickness? Why are we satisfied being on the prayer list week in and week out? Why are we satisfied watching our kids go through turmoil? Why are we, ha- why are we satisfied just saying, well, I guess this is my cross that I just have to bear? Why are we happy and content in that? God has so much more for us. We just got to jump out and get it. And the worst case scenario is we have to stay in it a little bit longer. But if you're already in it, you might as well put some faith into action and go try to chase it down. Imagine if the woman with the issue of blood would have said, ah, there's just too many people here. I'll come back next time when it's less crowded. Imagine if Jairus' servants wouldn't have pressed through and, and kept yelling and said, oh, man, that woman with the issue of blood got to him first. All right, let me go tell Jairus, I guess. guess his daughter's just going to die. What if people would not have pressed through the crowds? What if all those people on the hillside, the 5,000, would have said, oh, he only has two fishes and some bread. I guess we're not going to eat today. Come on, baby, let's go to Golden Corral. Let's see what we have down the road. What if they would have left? They would have missed the miracle. How many times do we leave and, 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 and we miss the miracle because we put those limitations on God and we blame him when it's us that we lack the movement that is required to go step out and get what God has for us? I'm convinced that I could bring a million dollars, lay it on this platform and say, hey, come get what you need. And people would walk out of here with less money than what they brought in simply because they weren't willing enough to step out and just come and grab from the pile of money that was sitting here. You don't believe me? It happens all the time. How many times do you have a coupon, but you left it in the car, so instead of going out to the car to get the coupon and coming back inside, you just, okay, I'll just pay full price this time. How many times is something in the store, buy one, get one free, and because you only need one, you only get one, and you don't take the free one? We do it all the time, and if we're going to do it in the natural, we come in and we treat God the same way we treat him outside. We walk, we, we leave stuff on the table. We leave stuff, we, we, God is already here to give you everything that you need. Pastor Eric, if you can come up.
God has everything you need. The question today is, do you want it? Of course I want it. Okay, well, do you trust him enough to give it to you? I have no choice but to trust him. Then what are you going to do to meet God where God is here waiting for you? Every head bowed, and every, head bowed every eye closed. You see, Jesus is in this place. I know he's here because I felt him this morning when I was on my way here and I left the car door open long enough for that he could have got out and came in. I know he's in this place because while we was worshiping, I could feel his presence walking in this place. I know he's here because I could see and hear him moving on people during their worship. I know he's here because he promised that when two or three are gathered in his name, that he would be in the midst. I know he's here. Because there's a lot of love in this place, and where love is, he abounds. You see, I believe that the waters are stirred. I believe everything that you have need of is here. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, Lord, and I pray that you would move in this place right now. Lord, I pray that you would move in the lives of your people right now. Lord, I pray that there would be somebody in here, God, who's been thirsty, who's been trusting you even when the situation seems hopeless. But today, Lord, they're about to thrust their self into the miracle. They're about to dive into your goodness and your glory. And you are legally going to act in their best interest on their behalf today. Lord, there's somebody watching right now online, God, who right now is praying and calling that need out. God, I pray that you would meet them. I pray that you would meet them.